listening to From the Friars podcast, the community of Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, headquartered in the Bronx, New York City. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. In those days when there again was a great crowd without anything to eat, Jesus summoned the disciples and said, My heart is moved with pity for the crowd, because they have been with me now for three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them away hungry to their homes, they will collapse on the way, and some of them have come a great distance. His disciples answered him, Where can anyone get enough bread to satisfy them here in this deserted place? Still he asked them, How many loaves do you have? They replied, Seven. He ordered the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then taking the seven loaves, he gave thanks, broke them, and gave them to his disciples to distribute. And they distributed them to the crowd. They also had a few fish. He said the blessing over them and ordered them distributed also. They ate and were satisfied. They picked up the fragments left over, seven baskets. There were about 4,000 people. He dismissed the crowd and got into the boat with his disciples and came to the region of Dalmanthua, the Gospel of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, may the Lord give you peace. Amen. I have a very funny quote for you. I was speaking with a friend this morning, and we're talking about the fact this is an Our Lady of Lords uh, Fatima shrine, Blue Army, World Apostle of Fatima, and um, but yet we've got Our Lady of Lords today, and uh, she quoted Bishop Perry, Bishop of Chicago, longtime friend of the shrine here. Evidently, he said something about Blessed Mother is like a lady. She she wears different dresses, but it's the same lady, <laughs> you know, like she never wears the same dress twice. So, you know, you've got Our Lady of Guadalupe to my right, Our Lady of Fatima closer, Our Lady of Lords in front of me, <laughs> you know, it's like, but it's all the same Virgin Mary. And, um, on a feast day like today, it's just a beautiful day to rejoice. And um, so many stories about Lourdes. Um, has anyone here ever been there, made the pilgrimage to Lourdes? Okay, yeah. I mean, it's it's just really one of those places. I've been to Guadalupe. I've been to Fatima. I've been to Lourdes. I've been to other places where Blessed Mothers might be appearing even now. And I'll tell you, um, Lourdes is my favorite. <laughs> I have a public confession to make. Okay. I hope that's not offending any of the Fatima fans. Okay. I love Fatima as well, but there's just something about Lords. It's the beauty of the place. It's the beauty of the story. It's St. Bernadette. It's the grotto. It's the miraculous spring of water. And it's the whole program of prayer there. The the big basilica that the church built at the site, it almost looks like a Disney castle. It's it's the whole thing is just really something and really quite beautiful. Um, so we know when you hear Our Lady of Lords, you immediately think of healing because there have been so many medically documented, scientifically inexplicable miracles, right? Jeremiah that was just telling me about one in, in the sacristy and just a sign, like something out of the Bible, that God is still healing and his grace is still working in people's lives in a really big, beautiful way. And uh, Lords is one of those places. Um, boy, it is really something and you know when um, a person claims to have an apparition, a blessed mother, their church has a whole discernment where the the claim is being investigated. And we know um, sometimes the the church through the bishop and 
his experts, they decide it's, it's not necessarily true, or sometimes it can't be verified. And sometimes it's yes, you know, often many years after it's over places like Lords and Fatima, it was many years later that they finally had a chance to look at all the details and all the claims and, and et cetera. And um, one of the things that helps is if there's miracles. So Lords is one of those places where God was doing tremendous miracles there. And even then, um, the story was a little bit messy. It wasn't clear for a while. It took a while to sort it out. There were other people claiming to see Mary in the grotto. None of them got approved, only Bernadette, who goes on to become a nun. And then she dies young, and she became a great saint herself, Saint Bernadette. Um, Her feast day, I believe, is in April, but we're going to remember her today also, okay? (laughs) But there is this thing about healing, and there are the the details of the, the story of Lourdes, and uh, it's very, the message is very similar to Fatima. There's the rosary, there's the call for prayer and penance, conversion. And there's even um, a little bit of an echo of the story of Adam and Eve there. This idea about coming from the mud and, and tilling the ground. St. Bernadette had to scrape the mud and to drink the water and she had mud all over her face. And uh, there were some weeds there. Blessed Mother asked her to eat that as bitter herbs is like a sign of penance. And when it happened, people started to laugh. They thought, okay, this is clearly a hoax or this girl is crazy. And, um, but then it became clear later that she was not crazy and that what Blessed Mother was doing there was very biblical. So you have the story of Adam and Eve and the, the mud and the dirt. You have the story of the Jews eating the bitter herbs on the Passover. So it's like, whoa. And then you have the water coming out of the rock like with Moses and the children of Israel. So there's a very biblical thing that's happening there. You know, uh, you think of like Guadalupe, this beautiful picture over here. It's like something out of the book of Revelation chapter 12. The woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet. And it's, you know, so there's a biblical feel to it. And uh, certainly the theme of God's healing is a very big thing. When Jesus came as the Messiah, he healed people miraculously. And we have the waters of baptism, which offer us the healing of his grace. And um, in the church's theology, explaining how do we understand all these miracle stories in the Gospels, um, what you'll read in the Catechism is that the healings and the miracles of Jesus were there as signs. In the Gospel of John, he doesn't call them miracles. He calls them signs, pointing us to a deeper healing, which is the healing of the, the effect of sin. You know, it's not just if you, you know, had some illness and then now the illness is gone because we know even people who are healed eventually are going to get sick again and die. Even Jesus' friends, Lazarus, who died on the fourth day, was raised from the dead. He died again, <laughs> you know. So the, the healings and the miracles of Jesus were signs pointing to a greater healing, which was the forgiveness of sin, which he would achieve on the, the cross and then the resurrection. And that is really something beautiful. So when you talk about Our Lady of Lords, you talk about the healings, but then there's an elephant in the room, and that's what I'd like to talk about today. What about when somebody prays and they're not healed? You know, I've met so many pilgrims. I've been to Lords eight times, and I've had that conversation. People go on pilgrimage desperate for some sort of a healing, and then it doesn't happen, and then there's this struggle. And um, how, how do we navigate that? I think that's really important. The first thing I'd like to say is St. Bernadette herself, the visionary of Lourdes. She was sick her whole life. She was not physically healed. She died young. How old was she, like 24? 
It's all these great saints that they died when they were 24, you know? It's amazing. Um, and so there is St. Bernadette. And um, Mother Mary told her, I cannot promise you you'd be happy in this life, but in the next. Um, and she said something similar to the children at Fatima, right? <laughs> to little Lucia, you're gonna, I'm going to take Jacinta and Francisco to heaven soon, but you're going to have to stay a little bit longer. She lived to be, what, 92, you know? But um, there is a thing when um, God allows us to struggle, and I'll never forget one of the pilgrimages I was in Lourdes, and I was praying for something very particular, and um, that, that thing I was asking for did not happen, and yet I looked around and I saw all the beautiful uh, children. We were with a, a group of children, we call special needs children, um, and the, the joy and the beauty of, of these children who were not being healed of their illnesses, whether it be autism or um, Down syndrome or different, you know, but then there was this other more profound healing of a tremendous joy and a tremendous um, trust in the Lord. Um, So uh, it reminds me of a couple of moments in my priestly ministry, which I'd like to share with you. One day I was hearing confessions in a parish, and sometimes when you're visiting parishes, the different pastors have different things in the confessional. So if you go and there's the, the screen, if you look behind the screen, sometimes there's things there. So in this confessional, there was a big, beautiful image of Jesus, the good shepherd. And that's really one of my favorite images. And it's a perfect image for a priest to have in the confessional because the Jesus, the good shepherd is doing his ministry in the confessional, that sacrament, no doubt. And as I was listening and ministering God's mercy and before my eyes was this image of Jesus, the good shepherd, there was the sheep on his shoulders and there was the shepherd's crozier, the staff. And as I was listening to penitent after penitent after penitent, I started to realize that um, there was something that was happening with people and their struggles and without revealing any sins, which I can't do, obviously, it became clear to me that there was this desire to not suffer. <laughs> you know, there was this desire to not suffer. And yet in the image, the crozier of Jesus looked like a cross. And I think that's a really important thing to, to, to highlight is that in this life, we will carry the cross. Sometimes that cross is a certain type of illness. But um, the what became clear to me is that what people were really wanting is we want Jesus's good shepherd staff to be like a magic wand. And if he would just wave it over us and make everything bad go away. And he almost never, ever does that. So then there's this question, you know, why does a good and loving God allow us to suffer and to struggle when he clearly has the power, right? Because sometimes he will heal people. And in Lord's is a great example. So what is that? And I think to today's readings in a very special way highlight the answer for us because we see the punishment that the Lord God gives to Adam and Eve, and we see that the punishments of the Lord are medicinal. And it must be the case that God allows us to struggle and sometimes to suffer because it's good for us. And it's good for us in different ways. And I that one pilgrimage where I, I had prayed for something in Lord's and it, I didn't get it, Years later, I'm so grateful I didn't get the thing I asked for because <laughs> it's become clear to me after several years of thinking and praying that it was better for me to not get that grace. And God in his wisdom and in his love knew better than I did. And so there's a mystery at work there, huh? 
There's a mystery at work when we're confronted with our own inability. And that's exactly what happens here in this story of the gospel. The multiplication of the loaves, they're confronted with their inability. There's not nearly enough food, but Jesus takes, blesses, and breaks. And out of that action comes the the multiplication of the loaves. And I would like to say that maybe sometimes something can happen in our lives that's similar. That if we surrender ourselves to the Lord, trusting in him, regardless of what's happening, we allow him to take us and to bless us. And in our sufferings, we too experience being broken. And it's out of that brokenness so often that the miracle of the multiplication of his grace happens. And it's a deeper healing. It's a more profound and beautiful work of grace that in the mystery of God, this is how it, his love manifests itself. And that is really something. So I'm going to conclude by quoting a song that articulates this idea much better than I could. <laughs> okay. Um, so this song is by a guy, a fellow Hoosier from Indiana, an, a musician and poet named Rich Mullins. Rich um, died in a car accident, but he was incredibly gifted. And um, he has this song that uh, he wrote that's really one of his most famous songs. And in this song, he captures this whole interesting kind of perspective on when God's healing comes because he lets us suffer. And in the song, it's called Hard to Get. And he's kind of praying to God, and God is playing hard to get. So this is, this is the lyrics. And the, the last two lines of the song are really very powerful. You who live in heaven... Hear the prayers of those of us who live on earth, who are afraid of being left by those we love and who get hardened in the hurt. Do you remember when you lived down here, where we all scrape to find the faith to ask for daily bread? Did you forget about us after having flown away? Well, I memorized every word you said. Still, I'm so scared. I'm holding my breath while you're up there just playing hard to get. You who live in radiance, hear the prayers of those of us who live in skin. We have a love that's not as patient as yours, was still. We do love now and then. Did you ever know loneliness? Did you ever know need? Do you remember just how long a night can get? When you are barely holding on and your friends fall asleep and don't see the blood that's running in your sweat. Will those who mourn be left uncomforted? while you're up there just playing hard to get. And I know you bore our sorrows, and I know you feel our pain, and I know that it would not hurt any less, even if it could be explained. And I know that I am only lashing out at the one who loves me most, and after I have figured this somehow, what I really need to know is if you who live in eternity hear the prayers of those of us who live in time. We can't see what's ahead. And we cannot get free from what we've just left behind. I'm reeling from these voices that keep screaming in my ears. All these words of shame and doubt, blame and regret. I can't see how you're leading me. Unless you've led me here to where I'm lost enough to let myself be led. And that, that's the line. You know, that sometimes God allows us to, to struggle and suffer because that's the, that's the experience 
that would help us to be more trusting and more humble and more open to letting God lead us in all circumstances. Amen. been listening to from the friars podcast the community of franciscan friars the renewal please visit us at franciscanfriars.com or on social media cfr underscore franciscans mm-hmm.